All right, so last week Sunday, we started a brand new series titled The Fate of Our Fathers. Everybody said The Fate of Our Fathers. And last week Sunday, we looked at justification by faith. Say so we are justified by faith. Say I'm justified by faith. You know, if there's any one message that somebody will tell me, what is the message you want to share with God's people now, any day, any time? The number one most important message you ever need for your Christian life is to know that you are justified by faith. Hallelujah. When we come before God, we're not justified by our works. We're not justified by our self-efforts. We are justified by faith. Glory to God. And I told you last week Sunday that God did not forgive our sins based on mercy. He forgave our sins based on his justice. Do you remember that? We said God forgave our sins based on his justice in that all of our sins were punished in the bloody and in the blood of Jesus. On the cross was when justice was satisfied. All the sins of time past and the sins of ahead of us in Christ all of our sins have been totally paid for. And Jesus rose from the grave to declare to us that there's no other thing that God is holding against us. That means truly and 100% we are justified before God. Can you shout amen? amen? That means we are qualified for every blessing. There's no blessing in Christ you cannot access because God has justified you. He's not counting any sin against any sinner. The Bible says that God is reconciling the whole world to himself and not holding any sin against anyone in the entire world because what separated man from god was sin but when christ came he came to solve the sin problem so that man can assess god do you remember in the old testament the bible tells us that the prayer of a sinner is an abomination to god so how come in today's time a sinner can pray to god and god answers it's because jesus has solved the sin problem hallelujah that's why today a sinner can cry to god and say father i put my faith in christ and automatically he's welcome to the family of god why? Because Jesus has solved the sin problem. So sin is no longer a problem with God. And now sin cannot have dominion over you because you are under grace. Can you say amen? amen. Say sin will not have power over me because I am under grace. When you are under the grace of God, sin cannot have power over you. The Bible says that grace will teach you to say no to ungodliness. The only antidote to sin is the grace of God. The only antidote to sin is to realize that you are justified by faith. That you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Say, before God, I'm righteous. Say it again. Say, before God, I'm righteous. All right, so today, we're going to look at the next, we're going to continue. Last week, Sunday, we looked at Abraham, and we learned how that Abraham was justified before God by faith. Today, we're going to look at Isaac. I told you, we're looking at the four fathers of faith. This week, this month, we're going to be studying about four men from the book of Genesis. The first man I told you was what? Abraham, right? I said we're going to study about Isaac. Then we're going to study about Jacob and Joseph. Now, today, we're going to focus on Isaac. Now, I would recommend for you, if you were not in church last week Sunday, go back and listen to the message of last week Sunday because we are building on top of a block we started. The foundation of everything is last week's message. Praise God. All right, so today, we're going to look at Isaac. And we're going to focus on Isaac as a son and as an heir. Isaac as a son and as an heir. Say, I am a son and I'm an heir. So now, in the book of Genesis, something interesting happened. When the Bible begins to give us the story of creation in several chapters, um, there were 12 chapters that was allocated to Abraham. Another 12 chapters was allocated to Jacob. Another 12 chapters was allocated to Joseph. But interestingly, only one chapter is allocated to Isaac. Of course, Isaac's name is mentioned in other verses, but one, only one chapter of the Bible really explains and talks about Isaac in detail. 
in the entire book of Genesis. You know, and I never realized this all these years until recently. And I realized that Isaac, you know, was reading the book of Genesis again. And I realized that Isaac was only one part of Genesis. And we're going to look at that today, how that Isaac is an heir and a son. Now, in Genesis chapter 15 from verse 1, look at what the Bible says. The Bible says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. He says, Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me? Seeing that I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. If you notice very carefully, God promised Abraham that he was going to have a son, an heir from his own loins. But something happened in Abraham's life. He didn't have a child. And then God was telling him, I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. And he says, God, what are you going to do for me since I'm going childless? How am I going to have the heir that you promised me? How am I going to have the son that you promised me? And he says, the, the way things are going now, the way my life is going now, I may have to give my entire inheritance to my servant who was called Eliezer, Eliezer of Damascus. You know, and in a, in a period of doubt, Abraham almost appointed Eliezer to be his heir. That means his servant. Are you seeing that? But something happened. Next verse. Verse 3. Then Abraham said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. Talking about um, Eliezer. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir. God is telling him, this your servant will not be your heir. He says, but the one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. So that means before God, it was unacceptable to God for Eliezer to inherit all that Abraham had. So God promised a son. Are you seeing that? And the, the reason is because God builds with sons, not with servants. God builds with sons, not with servants. So after justification... After Abraham was justified, we are now placed alongside with Christ himself. So, because it's a matter of sonship. Now, the reason why the Bible, you know some, some of you that are ladies here, you want to put daughtership inside the Bible. But the reason why the Bible talks about sonship is very simple. The Bible says in Christ, there's neither male nor female. He said we are all one in Christ. There's neither Greek nor Jew. Are you seeing that? So, when it comes to sonship, sonship is not about gender. It's about sonship who gave birth to you is about a position a position are you following what i'm telling you so when the bible talks about being a son of god he's not talking about gender he's not talking about male nor female when god created adam he was both male and female <laughs> praise god so jesus is our elder brother many don't realize it jesus is our elder brother because that's what god did for us in christ he made us to be his children. He made us to be his sons in Christ. The same way Jesus is the son of God, we have become his very sons. Glory to God. Look at Hebrews chapter 2 from verse 10 to 11. Hebrews chapter 2 from verse 10 to 11. Look at what the scripture says. Hebrews chapter 10. Okay, no, actually, give me um, Genesis, the next chapter actually. Let's go back to Genesis, the one you just gave me. Follow the scripture. Now look at the things that God told Abraham. Genesis 12, 3. He says, I will bless those who curse you. And I will curse who, him who, curse, who curses you. And in you, all the family of the earth shall be blessed. Give me Genesis 26 verse 4. Then look at what God, look at the promises that God made to Abraham. I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. And I will give to your descendants all this land. And in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Are you seeing the consistency of the blessing? God told Abraham this same blessing. God told Isaac this same blessing. God told Jacob the same blessing. 
Look at it when God told Jacob, Genesis 28 verse 14. Genesis 28 verse 14. He says, for it was fitting for him for whom are all things. Genesis 28 verse 14. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And in you and in your seed, look at the promise, consistent. And in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Are you seeing that? Now, let me show you how Jesus Christ became our elder brother. Hebrews chapter 2 from verse 10. Hebrews chapter 2 from verse 10. Bible says, for it was fitting for him, that's for Jesus, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Notice, when Jesus left heaven, he was the only son of God. Are you following? When he came to the earth and died, and came out of the grave, he now made, he now brought many sons to God. And see, I'm one of them. See, I'm one of them. Bible says, Christ, it was fitting for Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and by whom are all things, and by whom are, are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. Look at Romans. Okay, give me verse 11. Verse 11, next verse. It says, For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one. See, I'm one together with Christ. It says, For this reason, man Bahaya. For this reason, he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Jesus is not ashamed to call his brother. Let me explain. You know, some of you, you have some siblings who you are ashamed to call them your brother because of something they did to you. Are you following? Maybe you heard what they, your brother just did. And maybe, you know, the, 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 the news they told you was so terrible. And they say, is that not your brother? I say, no, it's not my brother. You know, you want to, you're ashamed to call him your brother. Are you seeing that? Because of what he did. But the Bible says that Jesus is not ashamed to call you his brother. He's not ashamed to call you his sister. Praise God. That means, that means Jesus is proud to call you brother. He is very proud. No matter what you do, he is not ashamed. He is very proud and honored to call you his brother. So listen, we are not just, in, you know, you know the, this thing is levels. When people came to God at first, they started as servants. From servant, Jesus one time called his disciples and says, Today, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. So Jesus started calling his disciples friends. But guess what? When he died and came out of the grave, he no longer called them friends. He says, go and tell my brothers. Hallelujah. He says, go and tell why. Because now he has brought many sons to glory. He has brought many sons to glory. And he's not ashamed to call us brethren. He's not ashamed to call us brothers. The, the meaning of the word brethren means brothers. Are you following? In plural. Brothers, sisters, they mean the same thing. So number one, write it down. Sons are heirs. Sons are heirs. Everything that Isaac had was inherited from Abraham. Everything that Isaac had was inherited from Abraham because why? Not because he served Abraham very well. Mm -mm. The reason why he inherited everything from, from Abraham was not because he served Abraham very well. No, the reason why he inherited everything from Abraham was because he was Abraham's son, legitimate son. That was why. Look at Genesis 24. 
verse 36. Genesis 24, verse 36. I like you guys to be lightning fast. It says, And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old. And to him, he gave her many things. All things he had, he gave it to him. Look at that. Now look at Romans chapter 8, verse 16 to 17. The Bible says the spirit. Now I'm trying to show you typology. What, see, Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac as an inheritance. Now look at what the Bible did for us too. When you come into Christ as a son, as an heir of God, look at what happens to you now. The Bible says the spirit himself bears witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. You are a son of God. Are you seeing that? So if you're not sure if you're God's child, the Bible says that's the job of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost in you will bear witness, will convince you that you are God's child. The Bible says the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are those children of God. Now look at it. Says, and if children, man kappa, verse 17. And if children, then what? Heirs. Now that's big. That's big. Imagine Imagine God, imagine God who owns everything. He now says that you are the one to inherit everything he has. That's big. But look at the one that is bigger. He says, then heirs. Then he now explains, say, heirs of God. Then he says, and joint heirs with Christ. Ah. He said, if indeed we suffer with him, we shall also be glorified together. Notice, notice. I want you to catch something. Notice, he didn't say that we are co-heirs with Christ. He says we are joint heirs with Christ. Do you know what that means? Remember, I showed you the previous scripture where he said that now he has made us one together with Christ. Joint heir and co-heir are two different things. When you have people who are, who are co-partners in a the business, they share the percentage. Maybe I bring in 50, you bring in 50. Are you following? When the scripture tells you that you are joint heir with Christ, he's not saying you are sharing with Jesus 50-50. That's not what he's saying. You know what joint A is? It's like what you have in the bank. It's called joint account. When a husband and a wife have a joint account, it means that the wife has a 100% right to the account. The husband has a 100% right to the account. That means both of them have a 100% in the share of the pie. So when the Bible says that you are joint heir with Christ, it means that everything that Jesus has is yours. That's what he's talking about. You are joint heirs with Christ. Whatever he has, you have. Now, can you see why in life we can never go down? How could we be disadvantaged when we are one together with Christ? How can I suffer in life when I'm one together with Christ? How can I go through suffering and, and attacks of Satan when I'm one together with Christ? The Bible says, as he is, not so we are going to be. He says, as he is, so are we in this world. So, listen. How is Jesus today? Is he sickly? Is he beggarly? Is he crying? No! So I don't accept nonsense from Satan. Hallelujah. Because I'm joint heir with Christ. Say all things belong to me. Because I'm joint heir with Christ. Say there's no lack in my life because I'm joint heir with Christ. Shout hallelujah somebody. Look at it. Look at Genesis 25 verse 5. I'm showing you again. The Bible says, And Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac. Notice. Abraham had more children than Isaac. Because before Isaac, he even had a child. I'm coming to that one in a moment. He had a child. But this child, he didn't give him nothing. And when Abraham, when Sarah died, he married another woman. And from this woman, he had about four children. He didn't give them any inheritance. 
Bible says all that he had. All. Not a portion of it. All that he had, he gave it to Isaac. There's a reason why he did it. There's a reason why he did it. Hallelujah. So now, if we are heirs of the Father, and we are joint heirs with Christ, then it means that he has given us a title of our spiritual inheritance in Christ. Bible says that everything that Abraham had, he gave to Isaac. In the same way, everything that the Father has, he has given to his son Jesus. And guess what? Both we and Jesus, we share from the same account. That means whatever Jesus can access, I can access. That's the reason why Jesus said something very profound. He said, in that day, when I go back to my father, you will not ask me for anything. You know, because when Jesus was on, was, was on the earth, the disciples would ask him for anything they want. Say, you know, some people are begging Jesus, Jesus, please for me, father. Jesus, you know, you know they, they want to pray through Jesus because they know that whatever Jesus will ask the father, the father will do it. And they are not sure that the father will answer to their own request. So every time, they will want to go through Jesus. They want to go through Jesus. But Jesus said, in that day, you will not go through me. And that day is now. He says that when you want to talk to the Father, he said, you will not need me anymore. He said, you will talk to the Father directly by yourself. Why? He says, because the Father loves you. The Father loves you. You know, most of the time, we don't understand the, the depth of the Father's love. You know what Jesus said about, about, about the love of the Father? Let me show you something. Who has natural hair? Hey, natural hair. <laughs> Someone say, Isaac. Courage, where are you? Come. Courage is too tall for me now. But come anyway. I will stand on a high ground. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, I, I want to show you the, the detailing. You know, Jesus said something. Jesus said, why do you worry about your life? What you're going to eat? What you're going to drink? What you're going to wear? Jesus said something. No, look at me. Look at me. You know what Jesus said? This one, he has even dreaded the hair. Right? Now, on the hair socket, notice that every singular hair comes out of the hair socket. Right? Single hair. How many of you know how many strands of hair you have on your head? How many of you even care about how many hair that fell off from your head? That's how unimportant that is. All you do is to make your hair look fine. Am I correct? But the Bible says something, that, that, that the very hair on your head is numbered, not counted. Two different things. For instance, I can count everybody sitting down here. I can also number you. That means I will give you a code. I'll say you are number 25, number 30. Are you following? I can do a general kind of say, the strand on your hair is 1,000. Are you following? But that's not what God did. God gave every strand a code number. Maybe it's a UUID code. I don't know. Such that, let me explain the detail. Such that if a strand of hair falls off to the ground and an angel picks that hair, it can tell to whom that hair belongs to. It can tell from where in the part of the hair that the hair came out from. Now listen. If God is so detailing about hair. How much more the person on whom the hair sits on? Glory to God. God said that on that day when you want to pray, you will not need to go say, Father, through Jesus Christ, 
answer this prayer? No. He says, when you are praying, say you pray in the revelation, knowing that whatever Christ will ask the Father, he will give the edit for him in the same way. Because I'm joint heir with Christ, if I ask God for the same thing, he will do it for me by faith. So I talk to God directly. I go to the Father directly. Why? Because I'm one together with Christ. If the Father loves Jesus, so he loves me. Are you seeing that? Whatever the Father will do to Jesus, he will do the same to me. Because I'm joint heir with Christ. Glory to God. See, I'm a son. See, I'm an heir. Thank you very much. Sit down. That's what I'm trying to show you. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. Woo, glory to God. Glory to God. Now, in the next chapter in Genesis 26, let's read that one now. Genesis 26. Sorry, Genesis 16. Genesis 16. I want to show you about the birth of Ishmael. How Ishmael came on the scene. You're going to learn something from this now. The Bible says, now Sarai... Abraham's wife had bore him no children, for she had, for she had an Egyptian maidservant, whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abraham, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go in to my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abraham heeded the voice of Sarai. Then Sarai, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian. And gave her to her husband Abraham to be his wife. After Abraham had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan. So she went into Hagar and she conceived. Look at that. She conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. That means when Hagar realized she was pregnant, she started to disrespect Sarai. Are you following she started to make mess of her. So look at what happened next. Then, Abraham, then Sarai said to Abraham, My wrong be upon you. I gave my maid to, in, into your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord will judge between you and me. <laughs> that was she started to say. You know what Abraham said next? You'll be shocked. Next verse. And Abraham said to Sarai, Indeed, your maid servant is in your hands. Do to her as you please. So Abraham said, whatever you want to do, go and do. And when, you know, and when the husband gave her that audacity, you know what she did next? And when Sarah, I dealt harshly with her, he showed her pepe. What, what, did, what did Hagar do? Actually, she ran for her life. She fled from her presence. So she packed all her things and disappeared. Look at what happened next. You think that's, you think that, you see, look at what, look at what God did. Next verse, verse 7. Now, the angel of the Lord found her by the spring of waters in the wilderness and by the spring of the way of shore. And he said, Hagar, he now mentioned Sarah's maid. So you, so you, you know that he knows who he's talking to. He says, Hagar is Sarah's maid. Then the angel now says, where have you come from and where are you going? As though he does not know. You know she, now said, she, she now said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Go back. Go back. Return to your mistress. And submit yourself under her hand. That means submit to authority. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly, so that they shall not be counted for multitudes. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are with child, and you shall bear a son, and you shall call his name what? Ishmael. Why? Because the Lord has heard your affliction. He shall be a wild man. His hand shall be against every man. 
and every man's hand against him, and he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are the God who sees. For she said, Have I also, um, have I also here seen him who sees me? Therefore, the well was called Ber Lad Rua. Observe, it is between Kadesh and Ber. And then, so Hagar bore Abraham a son, and look at it. And Abraham, so she went back. And Abraham named his son who? Um, he named him Ishmael, right? Because the angel already told her the name. So she told Abraham the name that the angel told her, and they gave him that name, Ishmael. How old was Abraham then? Verse 16. Abraham, Abraham was 86 years old when they got born Ishmael a son. That means, that means um, um, Ishmael seniors Isaac by about 14 years. Are you catching it? So when Isaac was born, he was already 14 years old. Now, so the bet, I told you before, Abraham wanted to give his inheritance to Eliezer, the, the maid servant. God said, no. Now, after that happened, Ishmael came on the scene. And Abraham also was about to give inheritance to Ishmael. And God said, no, you shall not give your inheritance to a bond servant. It must be to an heir, a son, not to a slave, not to a servant. That's what the Bible says. Now, the birth of Ishmael to Abraham was through a bond woman. That means he was, um, Ishmael was an illegitimate son. Do you understand? An illegitimate son. So, after lapse of faith, another attempt to pass the inheritance to the servant. And God says no. Now, let me show you the significance of this thing. Galatians chapter 4, from verse 21. Let me give you the background. The background of the book of Galatians applies to the church today. Now, Paul went to preach the gospel in Galatia. When he went there to preach the gospel, something happened incredibly. He, he began to teach how that we are crucified together with Christ and we only access everything from God by our faith in Christ. But now, after he left, some Jews came into the scene and said, huh? so you guys believe in Jesus? They said yes. He says, but believing in Jesus Christ is not enough. You have to observe circumcision. You have to observe the law of Moses. You have to observe the days. If not, you will not go to heaven. So the Galatian church, who had no business with the Ten Commandments, who had no business with the law, began to observe what God never programmed for them. Are you still here with me? I said, are you still here with me? All right, good. Now, Paul heard the reports and then began to write to them. Now look at what Paul said. He says, tell me. Who, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons. Everybody say two sons. One from the bond woman and the other from the free woman. But he who has, but he who was of the bond woman was born according to the flesh. And he of the free woman was through promise. Which things are symbolic for there are for these covenants? Everybody say two covenants. So now, um, Paul is now trying to explain that these two sons of Abraham represent two covenants. Now, listen at the covenant very carefully. He says, The one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage, talking about the children of Israel when they got to Mount Sinai with Moses. He's saying that Ishmael is rooted from Mount Sinai. That's the foundation of what he did in Mount Sinai. He says that this bond woman, it represents Mount Sinai. He says, but which is Agar? He says, for this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage to our children. But 
The Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all. Look at that. 27. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor. For the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise. See, I'm a child of promise. See, I'm a child of prophecy. Because Isaac was prophesied before he was born. He says, look at that, verse 28. He says, now we, brethren, are, now we, brethren, as Isaac was, he says, we are children of promise. Can you shout amen? So it's not about that we are from the same mother. The question is, who is your mother? Are you seeing that? Because Ishmael's mother was a guy which represents the Lord. And Isaac's mother was Sarah, which represents grace. Are you following this very carefully now? So we are from the same father. But who is your mother? Who is your mother? That's what, that's what Paul was dealing with. He says, do you want to go under Hagar or do you want to go under Sarah? Hagar's child was gotten as According to the flesh, like every other person will give it to a child. He says, but Isaac was a, was a child of promise. He was prophesied many years, 25 years before he was born. That's what Paul was saying. Now, listen very carefully. Write this down. You will never inherit the promise by the law. You can only inherit the promise by grace. Because we don't inherit the promise as servants. You can only inherit the promise as sons. Now, you see, many Christians... They have a servant mentality. They think that they can merit the blessings of God through their service, through what they are doing for God. They think that's how God blesses. God doesn't bless you because of what you do. No. The reason why you are blessed is because of what Christ has done. We, are in, we inherit the blessing. Glory to God. The same way Isaac did nothing to inherit everything from his father. In the same way, we inherit the favor of God, the blessing of God, all the goodies of God by faith in what Christ has done. Can you say amen? Now, the, 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 the most amazing thing is that you don't inherit, you don't merit the blessings of God. The blessings of God are unmerited. They are unmerited. And you see, if you want to merit the blessing of God, you are going to strive. You are going to walk as a Christian in fear. In your life. And that's not what God wants for you. You are going to live as a servant, not as a son. Glory to God. So once we are justified in Christ, once we are made righteous in Christ, our position is that of sons of God. We are now sons of God. We are now sons of God. And our blessings is based on this, on our sonship, on our position. Look at 835. The Bible says, and a slave does not abide in the house forever. But who abides in the house forever? Who does? The son. You know why? If you have a slave in your house, or you have a servant in your house, or you have a house up in your house, if they misbehave, they may get fired. Or they can also fire themselves. <laughs> Whichever the case. Right? So, a, a slave does not abide in the house forever. But a son does. A son may travel for five years, but he still abides in the house. Glory to God. And the inheritance is only given to sons, not to slaves. See, I'm a son of God. See, I'm a son of God. <laughs> now look at Galatians 4.29. Let's go back. Bible says, but, he, but as he who was born according to the flesh, then persecuted him 
who was born according to the spirit. Even so it is now. You know what he's saying? When Isaac was growing up, Ishmael was bullying Isaac. Ishmael was bullying Isaac. The Bible makes it very clear. So he was always fighting him, beating him up, you know. And the Bible says, but he who was born according to the flesh. Who was born according to the flesh? Ishmael, right? He starts saying he persecuted. This is a very nice word. If you can go to the Greek, you'll see that it's Motofa. He, he, he harassed him. Who was born according to the spirit. He says, even so it is now. What is he trying to say? He's saying that even today in our generation, it is those who preach the law that attack those who preach the grace of God. Because they are still persecuting us. The Ishmaelites are still persecuting the Israelites. <laughs> Glory to God. He says, stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. He says, but do not be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. What's the yoke of bondage? The yoke of bondage in the Ten Commandments. Thinking that keeping the Ten Commandments will inherit a blessing. is a lie. It's a lie. Only sons inherit blessings. Servants don't inherit blessings. Glory to God. I said glory to God. So Ishmael was, was born to Abraham from his um, unsanctioned relationship with a guy, Sarah's maid. So, but you notice something very carefully. Ishmael, he was not a son in a covenant sense because he was an illegitimate son characterized by the lack of discipline from um, Abraham. Now, let me tell you something very carefully. Why is it that when Ishmael was misbehaving, was doing all the wrong things to Isaac, why is it that Abraham never said nothing to Ishmael? You know why? Do you know why? Can I tell you why? I'll tell you why. It's very simple. Because Ishmael was an illegitimate son. Now, who do you call, have you heard things like, say, his son is a bastard, stuff like that, right? Why do you say something like that? When a man does not care about, when a man has an illegitimate child, two things may happen. He may leave the child with the mother and not care about the child. That means he's not interested in the future, in the vision of that child. And if you are not interested in a vision and in the future of that child, you will not discipline that child. So look at Hebrews 12 from verse 7 now. The Bible says, if you endure chastisement, it says, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not discipline, does not chastise? So if you have an illegitimate child, someone who is not your son, right, or your child, you will not discipline them. But if you care about the vision, the future of your children, what are you going to do as a parent? You will discipline those children because you care about their future. Are you following what I'm saying? Now, verse 8 says, But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are what? You are what? Illegitimate and not sons. So what the Bible is saying, if you don't accept discipline, if you don't accept correction, it says you are not a son. You are, in fact, you are illegitimate. Because only sons accept chastening. Only sons accept discipline. Are you following what the Bible is saying here? So, so Abraham chastised Isaac but ignored Ishmael. That's what he did. Why? Because a father does not chastise an illegitimate son. Because he has no vision, he has no plan for that child. Glory to God. On the other hand of this whole thing, 
He has an interest in his true sons. And he has a purpose for his true sons. And the father will do anything to discipline them. Why? Because he will ensure that the, this purpose is not trunted by their misbehavior. I will therefore lovingly correct them. Look at Hebrews. Okay, so I read that now, right? Hebrews 12, um, 7 to 8. Hallelujah. I said, Hallelujah. You know, some people, they don't want people to correct them. It's not proper. If you're a son of God, you must, Bible says, endure it. Endure correction. Why? Because in the future, you'll be happy that somebody corrects you. Glory to God. And you only correct those who you love. Though, I mean, just imagine. I mean, some of you, you see children on the streets passing around every day. Do you care about correcting them? Why? Because you don't love them. You don't love them. So if somebody is correcting you, the person loves you. So embrace correction. Glory to God. Because there are many deceivers in this life. Some of your friends will see you doing the wrong thing. They will still be looking at you and saying nothing to you. They can't tell you to your face. What you are doing is wrong. Glory to God. You go, and listen. Listen. In life, eh, let me tell you something. In life. Let me tell you what can put you down the drain very fast. The type of friends you have. The type of friends you have. Bible says evil communication can corrupt you. One evil person in your life can corrupt you. What am I saying? I'm not saying you can't do business with them. What I'm saying is that choose your inner circle. Your inner circle. Ensure that these people are people that will build you up. Not people that will tear you down. Because if your inner circle is wrong, they can derail you away from God. Derail you into evil things. Glory to God. I know you want to say, but pastor, I can handle it. <laughs> so now you are wiser than the Bible. The Bible says evil, evil, evil communication will corrupt you. You say, no, God, I can handle it. It shows your foolishness. It shows your foolishness. Praise God. I said, praise God. So we are free. So God has an interest in true songs and he has a purpose for them. And we are free from a spirit of slavery. But when God disciplines us, it's from the Father who loves us. Can you shout amen? You know, sometimes you're asking God for things and God does not give it to you. Not because you cannot have it, but because you are not matured enough to handle it. When the season is right, it will come to you. Can you shout amen? Some of you are there asking God, God, Father, give me one billion. God knows if he gives you a billion now, you will misbehave. There are those who have gotten a billion, they will know how to handle it. So God is going to have to build you up. He will build you in his love. So you will build your capacity to be able to handle such level of prosperity. Such level of power. Hallelujah. Some of the enter into a level of power, they get corrupted. So God will train you from the grassroots and begin to raise you up. Bit by bit, block upon block, and then you arrive at the level he wants you to be in. Hallelujah. Whatever you open your mouth and speak in tongues. Speak in tongues everywhere. So Thank you, Holy Spirit of God. Galatians 3 23. Galatians 3 23. Let me show you something more about servants. In the Old Testament, the old covenant people, there were people who were under the law. And this depicts um, something new for us today. Bible says, but before faith came, 
we were kept under guards by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. He says, therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Are you seeing that? What is, what is he talking about? He's saying that if the law is not preached, you will not appreciate the grace of God. You see that? Because the law brings you to the end of yourself to see your need for a savior. So the law is a tutor to bring you to Christ. Are you seeing that? But once the law hands you over to Christ, you don't need it anymore. That's what he's saying. Because now Christ is going to justify you by his faith. Glory to God. So there was a specific time in the Old Testament. Look at Galatians 4. Because it's continued from the same chapter. He says, now I say that the heir, as long as he's a child, does not differ at all from a slave. Though he is master of all. He says, but he is under guidance and steward until the time appointed by the father. Now, in the Old Testament, in many, many years ago, like in the Jewish um, era, this is what happens. When a father gives birth to a child, he doesn't really have much to do with the child. What happens is that that child is given to what you call a, a, a guardian or a steward. Now, the steward's job is to raise that child, to raise that child to maturity. Now, in, in, in the Jewish kingdom, I say Jewish kingdom, <laughs> in, the, in the Jewish area, usually at the age of 12 or 13, they will now throw a party for that child. It's now, it's now going to be called an adoption of son. They're now calling it an adopted son. That means now he has come of age. He has come into maturity. Now, every child is anticipating for that day where he will be recognized in the house. He knows that his status will change after he has gone through the hardship, the training, the discipline. Now he becomes a matured son. In some, in some of the um, Arabian area, they do it like 17, 18 years old. Then they become the adopted son. So that's what the Bible is talking about. The Bible says that, but, verse 1 again, that the heir, as long as he's a child, he's no different from a servant. Why? Because the child doesn't know what he has. Are you seeing that? A child and a servant, they're almost the same in the house. But once he comes of age, once he comes to know what he has in, 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 in his inheritance, the Bible says he becomes a son. He's no longer a servant. He says, until the time appointed by the father. So when he comes of age, he now enters into his father's house as a matured son. So there was a specific time when the child was officially adopted into the father's family. He was no longer called a child. He's now called a son. Hallelujah. Now, the cross was that time. Before the cross, we were children. But when Christ came, he came to adopt us into the family of God. Now we became sons after the cross. Glory to God. Look at Galatians 4 again from verse 4 to 5. But, says, but when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son. Born of a woman, born under the law. Look at that. To redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. Are you seeing there now? So we moved from children. Being tutors under the law. And God brought us into adoption of sonship. Under grace. Can you shout amen? amen. So this is characterized by number one. Galatians 3.25. Galatians 3.25. Galatians 3.25. So number one, we have freedom from the law. Bible says in Galatians 3.25 that after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. Then verse Galatians 3.26 says, You are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. 
Galatians 3.26. Say, lift your hand and say, get on me. Say, I'm dead to the law. I'm alive to Christ. Say it again. Say, I am dead to the law. I'm alive to the spirit. Say it again one more time. Say, I am dead to the law. I'm alive to the spirit. You see, those who, those with a servant mentality marry themselves to the law. Those who are sons are led by the spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 to 15. Romans 8, 14 to 15. The Bible says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Are you seeing that? So we did not receive the spirit of bondage. We receive the spirit of adoption. Hallelujah. Say, I'm a son of God. Say, every blessing I have access to. Every inheritance I have access to because I'm a son of God. So for the believers, for us who are believers, the Holy Spirit has taken the place of the law in our lives. You see that? Galatians 5.18. Galatians 5.18. Bible says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Are you seeing that? You, are, you, you have to choose one. You choose the Spirit or you choose the law. So we are saying I'm led by the Spirit. Say it again. Say, I'm led by the Spirit. You know what it means to be led by the Spirit? It means that the Holy Ghost dictates your life. It dictates your decisions. You're about to make a decision. The Holy Spirit tells you exactly what to do. It tells you don't do it, you don't do it. That's what it means to be led by the Spirit. When you are, see, when you understand being led by the Spirit, what is seen to you may not be seen to me. Let me explain. God says to you, go and start this business. Right? You are still dragging your feet. And then God said to that guy, don't start yet. Wait. Go for mentorship. Are you seeing the difference now? We are led by the Spirit. Now you, who God says, go and, go and start. You say, God, Kai, I've not seen the money yet. Though. Where will it come from? You are living according to the flesh. You see that? And you can't please God that way. And the guy who God says, wait first. Wait for mentorship. You say, no, I will start this year is my year. This year is my year of opening my business. Are you following? And the Spirit of God says, not yet time, not yet time. You say, no, whether God likes it by thunder or by fire. It, this year is my year. And, they, and, then, and then the pastor even says, the year of it's the year of open door. Say, Father, this is my year of open door. My business must open. And the Spirit says, it's not yet time. Then you go and start. That's sin. That's sin right there. That's what sin is. Because says, whatever is not of faith is sin. Because you are still waiting for thou shall not. Thou shall not. There's nothing like thou shall not start your business when the Spirit says don't start. Is there anything like that? No. You are still waiting for Ten Commandments. No, it's a different life. It's a different life now. We are led by the Holy Ghost. When the Spirit of God says move, we move. He says stop, we stop. He says sleep, we sleep. He says eat, we eat. Hallelujah. God says fast for three days. He says, ah, God, my stomach go. Also, you think the Holy Spirit doesn't know? <laughs> you know, somebody say, eh, you know, anyway, let me leave that, that talk. All right. So, it is not good that those who are now of sons should relate to the Father through the law. Galatians chapter 4, from verse 9 to 11. Look at what the scripture says there. Galatians 4, 9 to 11. It says, but now, after you, are, after you have known God, or rather are known by God, 
How is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly element to which you desire again to be in bondage? You observe days, you observe months, you observe seasons and years. He says, I am afraid for you. Lest I have labored for you in vain. Paul said, if you want to go back to the law, I basically wasted my time. Wasted my time. Glory to God. So a servant mentality is not only characterized by laws, but also by dependence on lawgivers. So people with a servant mentality always need somebody to tell them what to do. That's a servant mentality. Because a servant waits for order. You say, do this, they do it. Go there, they go there. That's where a servant is. So you may not just be keeping the Ten Commandments, but if you are waiting for somebody to tell you what to do all the time, you are still having a servant mentality. You are not yet a son. Hallelujah. Because the less we understand what it means to be a son, the more we will have a servant mentality. So if you want to be a son, you have to know what it means to really be a son. Glory to God. So the status of sonship is characterized by intimacy with the father. Intimacy with the father. But so under the new covenant, there is a new level of intimacy with the father. That is different from the law. Glory to God. It's based on a new kind of relationship. There is no, listen, there is no human mediator between you and God anymore. You don't need any human mediator anymore. So every time you want to talk to God, you need somebody to help you to talk to God on your own behalf. Hey, you have to grow up to become a son. As a son, you can talk to the wind. You can talk to the rain. The same things that Jesus did, you can do it again. When the turbulence come, you can walk on top of the problem. Like Jesus walked on top of the water. You can talk to circumstances and they will respond to you. Because you are a son. Hallelujah. A son has authority in the house. Hallelujah. Shout amen somebody. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 11. Hebrews 8 11. Bible says, none of them shall teach his neighbor. And none his brother saying, know the Lord. For all shall know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them. You know what the Bible is saying? It's saying that when you come into maturity as a son, nobody needs to tell you, go to church. Nobody needs to tell you, it's time for prayer. All this babying around, you are not yet a son. You, still, you, are, you are still a servant. Because you need to be told what to do. Are you seeing that? It tell you it's time to study your Bible. Somebody has to always be telling you what to do spiritually. You need to grow up to become a son. Bible says in that day, nobody will teach his neighbor know the Lord because everybody knows the Lord for themselves. Are you seeing that? You've got to learn to know God for your own self, not only what your pastor says, what you know for yourself. You see that when your pastor tells you something, you go back, you go and digest it inside you, and then you know it for your own self. Hallelujah! I said Hallelujah. Why? God says, all shall know me from the least. That means even children will know the Lord. And it's happening today. Children know the great themselves. Hallelujah. But from the least to the greatest, they know Jesus. So in, in, our, in our sonship with Christ is a new level of intimacy with the father. You know, a son has an intimate relationship with his father. He has direct. Do you understand that? Listen, even if your father has been there three hours waiting to see the president or the governor, they've been sitting down on queue. You know what a son can do? 
a song can just walk in. He will pass all those that have been waiting for three hours, four hours, five hours. He will walk in and tell his father, sorry, can I see you for two minutes? And the father will attend to him and then he will go his way. Hallelujah. That is what it means to be a son. Where you can have direct access to your father at all times. Direct access to your father at all times. Hallelujah. So the status of sonship is characterized by intimacy with the father. And the spirit of God is the one that helps us to be sons. He's the one that helps us to be sons. He's the one that makes us feel like Jesus himself in the presence of the Father. That's the job of the Holy Ghost, to make us feel like God's children, to make us know that we are the same together with Jesus. Hallelujah. That's why when we come before God's presence, we don't come timid. We don't come beggarly. We stand with confidence. We stand with maturity. We stand with our heads high, our shoulders high. Knowing why? Because we are children of the King. We are the king's kid. Glory to God. We are the king's kid. Say, I'm the king's child. Say it again. Say, I'm the king's child. Now you see why in your life you reign in life. Say, I reign in life. Bible says that if we're, say, Bible says, they that receive, Romans 5, 17, they that receive abundance of in life. And listen, brother, when you king, when you reign in life, sickness does not reign. When you reign, poverty doesn't reign. When you reign, lack doesn't reign. When you reign... You know, the, 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 the type of life where people are, you know, what they fear, you don't fear. What they struggle, you don't struggle. Why? Because you're a so Come out of you. And I'm one of them. I'm one of them. Hallelujah. Says kings will come out of you. That's what God told Abraham. And we are the king's kids. Glory to God. Say, I rule and reign in life. Together with one Jesus Christ. So when you get to your home, when there's darkness in your home, don't, don't start to say, Hey, how can I deal with darkness? So there's darkness at home. What do you need? The more you do that, the more light. And listen, brothers and sisters, it doesn't matter how long darkness has stayed in your house. The moment light comes, darkness goes. And the darkness does not care how long it has been. Whether it was dark for one month, dark for 10 years, or dark for two minutes. Once you turn goes. So what you need is light. Everybody say light. Say light. Let me tell you something else. You know, how do you deal with things in your life? The more you focus on darkness, the more you don't solve the darkness. What you need is light. So you find yourself focusing on that, you need to open. The more you try to stop the darkness, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. As you, so am I in this world. So you've got to tell darkness what God has made you. Because God has made you to be light. Say I'm light. Say I'm light. I'm not of the darkness. I'm light. Glory to God. So you've got to bring light to darkness. And that is what, look at, look at it in the book of Genesis. When the darkness was upon the earth, what did God do? God said, hey, confusion day. Oh, how are we going to put light? No. The Bible says that God said, light be. Bible says, and there was light. Hallelujah. When you go into your house, everything is dry in your house. You say, in the name of Jesus, we receive abundance. Abundance, provision is ours. You talk to the kitchen, you talk to the pot, open your fridge, empty fridge. You say in the name of Jesus, this fridge shall be full, full of things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know this guy who was saying his account is empty. I, I say, my account shall be full to overflowing in the name of Jesus. You know, let me tell you something happened one time. Uh, this years back, I got to the point in my life where all my account was, you know, we say, like, we say your life is red. You know, when, you know, when your account is red, you know what that means? Everything is no. You know, it's only debit. 
debit, no credits. One day, every night, I did it for one year. Every night, I'll go to the, I'll enter my checkbook, and I'll open my, I'll log into my online banking, lay everything on the on the bed. Because I have to bring light. Glory to God. So every night, I was, I start, I start to say, and I'll say this things very loud. Though. Now I'm calm now. I will say, in the name of Jesus, I, I say, I will write checks on you. This account, I will send money, receive money. So I said to talk to my account, talk to the, to the ATMs. No, I did it for one month, nothing happened. Night, every night, six months, nothing still happened. I did it for one full year. Everybody say one year. <laughs> Makaba. One day, I was in church. We were just worshiping the Lord like this. And, then, and the Lord told me something. I will not tell you what the Lord told me. But God told me something. And I told God, prove that thing you just said to me. In 24 hours, one of my friends in school for some years back called me. Actually, let me tell you what happened. He was trying to call me to I did not even pick his call. He tried to ask me for money. Me, she, she, I don't get to give up. So let me just stay on my own. So I was trying to avoid his call. So he now sent me an SMS that I've been trying to reach you. Try and reach me back. I said, okay, let me just call out of court. And I called him back. Then he now said, where are you now? I said, I'm Yola. He said, I have one. That one I told my wife there. I said, I, I, said, I have one. He said, I, he said, I have one um, contract for you. Can you come to Abuja this next week? I said, why not? They paid my flight ticket, paid everything. I went to go and do the job for them, train them for one week. And I collected my one million. Hallelujah. Because that's what God told me. You know, you know, let me tell you what happened, right? There's something that one day I was in church. Somebody asked me that, Pastor, have you ever received miracle money before? I said, no. Then they, I, I said, you know why? I said, me, I'm not interested in all these 10,000, 20,000, 5,000. All this kind of thing. That's nothing. I, I don't need God for 5,000 naira. I said, if God wants to prove to me miracle money, my own is minimum seven figures. So that's why I told that's why I told him that day. He left. I said, yeah, I don't believe God for small things. 5,000. The answer I had then was 200,000. That's the answer I had then. I said, no, my money must be seven and above. Because God, my God is a big God. He doesn't do small things. Do you get it? So when I did that, that day, so that day when I was worshiping God, God told me that. That was all I was telling God to prove. I said, God, prove it. Let me see. And God proved it. Glory to God. That's when, see, that's when, that's when I understood that the race is not to the swift. The battle is not to the strong. I'm telling you the truth. It's not with your sweat and sweat. You can suffer and suffer in life, nothing will still happen. But when God's hand is on your life, even the, even the darkness of hell cannot stop it. Hallelujah. Say, I receive grace. Say, I receive abundance of grace. Say it again, say, I receive abundance of grace. Listen, God can give you so much grace that people will envy you and they can understand the kind of speed that God gave to you. It's called divine speed. May you receive divine speed in the name of Jesus. Amen. There are some of you in this place today. I, I, I tell you, a few years from now, even those that were around you will not recognize you anymore. Amen. They will know that God has so blessed this one. God has so expanded this one. God has so multiplied you. Listen, God will multiply to the extent that you will have so much to bless his kingdom. Hallelujah. Amen. I said hallelujah. Amen. 